Julian Edlow here for DraftKings. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. Conference tournaments, Final Four, to win it all, you name it, it's all available on the DK Sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code ROSS. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code ROSS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort located in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 160 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast presented, of course, by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Ross Tucker. He is Steve Fezzik. You should check us both out on social media. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, even TikTok now. He's at Fezzik Sports on Twitter and getting more and more active on Twitter, hilarious, whether it's food or whatever he's talking about, it's amazing. And this week, we're going to dive into a bunch of different things, including how to gamble correctly if you are a novice, which I am really looking forward to. But first, Steve, I did want to start with some NFL stuff, NCFL stuff, because we like to dive into these things and give people a little bit of a heads up. Now, we did season win totals, I don't know, maybe it was a month ago now at this point. But there's something that you noticed that you wanted to give everybody a heads up on as it relates to the NFL season win total numbers. Yeah, so the NFL, every team plays 17 games. So what should their season win number be on average? Should be, let's see, 17 divided by two? That would be eight and a half, Yes. Uh, further, you can tie in the NFL, small chance for a tie. So you make it 8.45. So make a slow extra big to the under for that tie probability. Um, but that isn't what the current average is. The current average is just short of 8.6. Now this makes sense for us because what's happening, betters are betting on teams more than against teams. You've got the homers that want to bet on their teams. And bottom line is, when you get optimism about a team, people bang those teams hard. Like, oh, the Jets had such a great draft. They moved up from five and a half to six. The Saints are going for it this year. They moved up from seven and a half to eight and a half. Baltimore is loaded. They were injured last year. They moved up from nine and a half to ten. You get the idea. Yes, there's a few teams that have come down, but more teams have come up. So the average now is above 8.5. Well, there's not a lot of house vig in these season win numbers, minus a dollar ten in each direction on average. So if you just blindly bet every NFL team under and you shop for the best number, Ross, you'd have the edge against the books playing contrarian and going under the total 
on these NFL teams because the average is just too high. I don't know why more people don't. They just don't. I mean, we've been talking about this. You've been talking about this for years. Absolutely. And you want to, you can tweak it even further and to say, you know what? The AFC teams, they only have eight true home games. Jacksonville only has seven true home games this year. That's not fully reflected in the strength of schedules because when everyone calculates them, they just look at your opponents and they don't recognize, hey, there's an extra road game. So if you want to take a, um, a little subset of that strategy, if you shopped and only played every AFC team under, I think you'll do very well, especially because the AFC is tougher than the NFC. Their season win numbers are a little bit higher, but they got to play each other. So it's a zero-sum game in 12 of their 17 games where they're playing other AFC teams. I think you're going to find outstanding value um, on select AFC teams under. And if you played them all under, I think you'd do just fine also. Got it. Okay. Um, what about the fact, Steve, that every NFL game has a line already? I mean, have you? how many of these other lines have you already gone through and attacked? Yeah, I, I've looked at them all. So I got my little – I got my little – booklet here from the uh, Las Vegas Westgate um, used to be the Hilton. And so like every line, I got the spread on every game there. I'm shopping other places and I've got little notations of bets that I've made um, against the DraftKings, against the William Hills and the like. So, and there, it wouldn't be unusual. There were some games where one place had two and a half and one place had three and a half on their lines. You'll never see that during the regular season, but differing opinions on the opening numbers so uh, really outstanding that all the books are putting these up. Not huge limits. Most places taking about 2000 a crack. But certainly for the average person betting, that's um, they'd be more than happy to bet at that level. So um, solid, outstanding value playing the games of the year, even though um, incomplete and imperfect information could be injuries, could hurt me, could help me. Bottom line is locked in some really good bets. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people, Steve, even people that listen or watch this show, they still just don't want to make the bets till Friday or Saturday of that week. They just they just don't. They just they have a routine. They look at their app Friday night or Saturday, maybe even Sunday morning, and they play some bets cuz they want some action on the game. You know what it comes down to, Steve, and I'm not saying this to diminish those people. We all have lives. We all have things going on. I totally get it. But the reality is, for those people, it's more about having a rooting interest and action on the game than it really is winning, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I'm not going to begrudge anyone that's betting $100 a game or less and just having fun with it. The bottom line is, over the course of a season – you're going to win or lose less than a thousand dollars. And, you know, most daddies I know blow that in golf every year, just on equipment alone, Ross, <laughs> never mind going out and playing. So, uh, you know, that's a okay. If you are betting 500 a game at that point, I think I would go ahead and invest in getting good bets and actually winning at things. You know, as an example, I'll throw this out like a game of the year. You know, the saints are going to be good this year. Atlanta's going to be terrible. Week 15, you could, have, you could have had the Saints at home minus five. I think we spoke about this on a previous pod. I think they're going to close minus 10. So bets like that, few and far between. But if you analyze and you're looking at which team 
is the buy signs going on versus a team, which is the Saints, versus a team that they're selling, Atlanta, and they're playing each other in the game of the year. Usually the odds makers get it wrong. They base it upon the opening season win power rating, which is wrong initially, and you can get great value. Just out of curiosity, Steve, about how many, and you don't need to know the exact number, but about how many bets have you placed for non-week one games is, I guess, what I would say. I think about 45 right now. Wow, so you, you kind of had a good idea. You had a pretty good idea. Well, I went into, I went into William Hill, and I, 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 I put a deposit in. The ticket writer punched me up, and he, his eyes grew really large. He said, wow, never seen this before. And I'm like, never seen – is that good? Why have you never seen this before? And he's just like, never seen so much pending bets, especially during the middle of summer when nothing's going on. So interesting. But for you, you think you're getting enough value that it's worth it to you to have them hold your money that long? Sure, until August comes around, and then I'm calling you asking for a short-term bridge loan to get to get get me through the first month of the season with all my baseball season wins that I've got all tied up and everything else. It's difficult because ultimately, it's not unusual that suddenly almost my whole bankroll's in play because every every bet I'm making during the summer on football isn't going to resolve itself until at the earliest September. You know, that's actually an interesting point that we've never really talked about. How much value do you or do you not place in like the time value of money with your bets, especially since you're making bigger bets? Well, the time value of money for me is zero right now because every day I lose money in the stock market. So, um, But I get it. I, I understand that, that that's just an aberration. But the bottom line is um, – we. There are plenty of people who are buying and investing in bond funds in their 401ks, earning 2% a year, Ross. So I'm only tying up my money for five months on really good bets that should earn 10%, and that's over a five-month period. Got it. Very interesting. Um, <coughs> excuse me. We might have to start to look at some of those other lines, uh, other other bets that you like. I don't know if uh, – I don't know in – mid-June if or mid-July if we're going to have like a go through every week 12 line. But uh, I think we might uh, ask for some other ones that you really like. You know, you hinted at this last week, by the way, speaking of football, Steve, the CFL. Um, you feel like you might have an edge in the CFL. Yeah, the CFL, the book is to play week one unders. And despite the fact they've got all these cool rules to help scoring – you only get three downs, and the league has started out very low scoring in the last few years. Well, they're taking a page out of the USFL with some of the rules changes in the USFL to try to promote scoring. So specifically, two changes. Uh, one is they're moving the hash marks closer together, so now the field will be wide in either direction. Supposedly, they think that that's going to increase scoring. I'm not so sure that's going to be that significant, but what will be significant is that they're moving the offenses are going to get to move five yards forward after every score. So you're going to start on the 40 instead of the 35 if the opponent chooses not to kick off. Or if they kick off, they got to kick off five yards deeper. Further, a problem the CFL always had is when a team was like on their own two-yard line, it was optimal to take a safety um, because of the way the rules were. So after a safety, now you're going to have to go ahead and kick off five yards further back than you did before. 
that's going to promote more scoring. So the bottom line is those who have played CFL unders early in the year, be careful. There's going to be considerably more scoring. And I saw that with the USFL, they've changed the rules and the average field position is much more like the 35 than the 25 to start. And it gives offenses so much confidence. I want to ask you about this, Ross. It sure seems like you're starting out on your own 35. It's like you've already gotten a first down. You're rolling, you're confident versus starting closer to your goal line. Natural conservatism on the uh, first couple plays, right? Yeah, and I don't know. That's a good point. And I, and I don't know how to put a value on it. But there's definitely, I think it's a little more subconscious than conscious. But you run onto the field after a decent return or you get decent field position, you know, maybe the defense gets a three and out and you start the ball, you know, past their, you know, past the 40 yard line, you know, you're in the huddle being like, Hey, we got it. We got a score here. We got, we got a heck of an opportunity here. Whereas you get, you start a drive backed up, you know, like you get pinned at your own five or 12. You're like, let's get out of here. Like, let's, let's, Let's get a couple first downs. It's kind of a different mindset. And I do know because the special teams coaches used to harp on it all the time. There's a big difference, big difference in, you know, how often you score a touchdown or score at all starting at the 20 versus past the 30. I mean, I don't, I can't remember what it is, Steve. Maybe you know what it is, but it's a considerable difference because you're always like, ah, how much does special teams really matter? Well, those 10 yards make a big difference in your likelihood of scoring or not. And the extreme example is, like you mentioned, you get a turnover and you start at midfield. How often do we see it? First play, bomb. You know, you feel like you're playing with house money. you got this great field position. It's so rare you see a team actually run that when they're first and 10 from their own 17-yard line when you know what's coming. There comes the two-yard run, and now you're up against it second and eight on your ninth team. So how do you attach a value to those? You know, with the CFL starting this week, there's some games Thursday night, Alouettes, Stampeders, uh, Friday night, Red Blacks and the Blue Bombers. How do you attach a value to those two rules, rule changes? Like, How, how do you know how much of a point differential it'll make? Back of the envelope, I'm estimating it's worth about four points. But I'm really not sure. We'll have to see what the actual data, how it plays out. And I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit here. Um, I can't be an expert at all sports, especially right now. Baseball's going on. WNBA's going on. USFL's going on. I can't follow the CFL like I would like. So, you know, I rely on other experts. And there's twofold. Sometimes I'll share information with other experts. Got a friend from Canada, Leon, that always follows the CFL. But I'm reaching out to, like, there's... Any guy that's like a CFL expert, I just went ahead and emailed a a, a guy that um, sells CFL picks. I'm like, I'll buy your CFL picks. He, he, um, he's a good guy, uh, Ian Cameron. And I don't know what he's going to say. You know, <laughs> maybe it's like, I, I don't really want to sell to you, Fez. You'll just move the market too much. But we'll, you know, we'll see. But the more uh, people I can get information from and share information with, the knowledge is power. And the more knowledge I can get, the more profitable I can be efficiently in a bunch of different sports. Wow. That's really, really interesting. Uh, We will see what happens with the CFL rule changes for sure. Fezzik, you are a dad. I am a dad. And you know what we want? 
We want steaks. Father's Day is coming up. It'll be here before you know it. I want meat. My dad wants meat. My father-in-law wants meat. My brother-in-law wants meat. Dads want steaks. And for just $99, this limited time package includes 16 mouth-watering entrees he's guaranteed to love like smoky, tender, bacon-wrapped filet mignons. I've had these delicious gourmet jumbo franks. Their air-chilled boneless chicken breasts had those as well. Awesome. And for a sweet finish, delicious caramel apple tartlets. I'm getting hungry just talking about this right now with you, Steve. By the way, as a special gift for you guys, when you type even in the search bar and order the Dad's Want Steaks package, you'll also get eight free Omaha Steaks burgers. I've had a bunch of these delicious. They're bigger than ever. Six ounces. Awesome. It's really very simple for you to do this. Order the Dad's Want Steaks package. You'll get 16 entrees and four desserts, plus eight free Omaha Steaks burgers. It's the best steak of your life, guaranteed. That's omahasteaks.com, keyword even. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. By the way, you know what you do? You know what goes down great with steaks like that? Athletic Greens. Listen, we're going to eat the meat that we get for Father's Day. And we're going to drink our vegetables. These companies should like partner. I started taking athletic greens because of gut health. And because I don't eat as many vegetables as I should. And because it seemed like everybody I was talking to was also taking athletic greens. I felt like I was missing out. You're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. To help you start your day right. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews. My Princeton dude, Tim Ferriss, takes it. It's less than $3 a day. To make it easy, Athletic Green is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. And five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash money. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash money to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We mentioned that you're going to tell people how to gamble correctly today if you are a novice, Steve. So I wanted to get to it. We're about halfway through the show. How do you gamble correctly? So this is going to probably be the most valuable piece of information for people who gamble. And I say for novices, but I'll say, you know, it's also for people who've gambled all their lives. But I will tell you, Ross, they won't listen to me because they have 
They're set in stone of their ways. They got bad habits and I doubt that they're going to change. But here's the bottom line. Numbers are out in all the different states in terms of what sports books hold. Now, a drunk baby who hasn't done his research yet that picks and bets straight up in sports loses at 4.5%, laying minus $1.10. The average adult loses at about twice that rate, 9%. That's what the books are holding across all the states. So it shows people just don't know how to gamble. They're having fun. They're picking things like Draymond Green to win the finals MVP, uh, just basically setting their money on fire. On, on various long shot bets. But the bottom line is, is sports gambling still is no good for the average person. You're at a 4.5% disadvantage. It's easy to play at less than a 1% disadvantage. And there's two vehicles to do so. You come to Vegas, you know, craps and take your odds. When you're in the, just bet the pass line, take your two times odds. It's fun. You don't have to think. You don't even have to know how to play craps. If you've never played craps in your life, Walk up and say, this guy, this dude, Fezzik, said I should be playing the pass line, taking my odds. I want to do that. I've never played. Help me. And they'll be more than happy, the craps dealers, to show you you know, how to do this. You're playing at a 0.6% disadvantage. What does that mean? If you're betting 25 a hand, you can play for two hours. You should lose about $50. All right? Now, you'll win 1000 You'll lose 1200 It'll go back and forth, but you're basically drinking for free, having fun, having a good time. That's playing craps, 0.6%, so almost half a percent. The same is true if you go to Blackjack and you just go to the little gift shop and buy the basic strategy card, tells you what to do. You have to be able to read to employ the strategy, so, you know, it's a little complicated. A third grader might struggle. Fifth grader should be able to do it, all right? So that means you've got a seven. The dealer is a nine. You're like, I see. Left-hand column. My hand's a seven. The dealer has a nine. It says hit. That makes no sense. I have 18. doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. You just take your little finger and hit because that's what the card tells you to do. If you do that on a good rules blackjack game, you're at about a 0.5% disadvantage. So you can play 200 hands. Betting 25 hands, you should lose 25 bucks. 25 bucks every two hours. So it's um, absolutely the way to gamble. But that's not how people gamble, Ross. How do people gamble? They bet all the long shots in the craps table. They bet the hard ways. They play roulette, which is a 5.26 percentage, 10 times as much. So remember when I just said you're going to lose 25 bucks if you have a gambling session? If you play roulette, you're going to lose $250. Well, if you play Keno, that edge is four times higher or slots. So now you're going to lose $1,000 in two hours gambling at the same levels. You can see how ludicrous it is that people choose the slots, the Keno, the roulette, or, you know, some of the other, um, and any of the long shot bets, Caribbean stud, um, the blackjack side bets, crap side bets, avoid all those. Just play the pass line, take your odds, or play basic strategy, blackjack, boom, takes you three, it takes you two minutes to be ready to go. Just get the card in blackjack or bet the pass line with your odds and craps. You're done. No, no casinos would make any money off you. You're going to drink more in drinks than you're, you're going to lose to them actually gambling. This is so interesting to me because, you know, I don't like, you know, play craps or blackjack. I don't go to casinos very often, but if I did, that's what I would do. I would take your advice right now because I know over time I'm not going to win. I just want to have the experience, the ambiance, and the free drinks. That's really interesting to me, Steve. So question for you. This might be a dumb one, but that's okay. I've asked dumb questions before. 
basic strategy card. Totally legal to have that and to use it and reference it? Absolutely, because the basic strategy card doesn't give you an edge against the casino. It just gets you close to a zero game. And what casinos have found is even people that use the card, they can have it. I've seen this all the time. They have it in front of them, Ross. They still mess up left and right. They get a pair of sevens and the card says split against a four. They split. Bang, they get a four on their hand. It's time to double down. The card will say double. Of course, you're allowed if you're allowed to double after split. Nope, there's in such a hurry, they hit the 11 instead of doubling down. So even with the card in front of them, which, like I said, the average de- dedicated sharp fifth grader that's being told you have to follow this card, he'll get every one of them right. Not the adults. The adults can't even read you know, the, the, the card and, and they'll still mess it up. So why is that legal, but like counting cards isn't? Because counting cards, the player actually gets the advantage. And so that's why it's really the dumbest rule ever. You can't have your cell phone at the blackjack table. They'll say, sir, you can't be looking at your phone while you're playing blackjack. And that's because there are programs that you would enter in each card as it was played. And it would tell you what the count was and how to play a hand optimally that are out there. Like they're worried about that. I can tell you this. The average card counter, it's much easier for him to keep it in his head than to be like, have a phone out and be punching in all the numbers. It would be too obvious. Now, having said that, back in the 1980s, before they made this illegal, there was a thing called a Fred. And a Fred was in your your boot. You wear boots into the casino and you tap the card values with your teeth, with your feet. And then there'd be a little buzzer that would tell you whether to hit or stand and how much to bet based upon what the account was. So that was um, employed by some of the card counting teams of the 80s before they made it illegal to use a um, any um, electronic device to gamble. That Now it's, it's, it's certainly a cheating device. How do they know if you're counting cards or not? The number one uh, tell is bet variance, that you – Go from betting very little to betting a whole lot, seemingly indeterminately. Like you could be losing and you're betting 25 a hand. Suddenly you throw out $400 after losing four hands in a row. An average gambler would almost never do that. But a card counter, if there was just like a ton of little cards, would say, okay, now the true counts plus four. I have a big edge. I'm going to put out a big bet. And so then what happens then? If they, uh, if, they, if they believe you're counting cards, then what do they do? Still doesn't mean you win. There's plenty of people trying to count or counting unsuccessfully. Usually they'll have um, they'll go ahead and tape you, take a take take um, a session or two of you, and have an expert assess whether they think you've got the better of it. If they think you're about a break-even player, they'll usually let you play. If it's clear they think you have a significant edge, they'll in this day and age they'll politely ask you not to play any more blackjack. Um, but feel free to play any of the other games in the casino. You said in this day and age, what what used to happen? Um, back, well, back in the late seventies, it wasn't like the movie Casino where they got the you know they were going to chop off the guy's fingers and the like or take a hammer to them. But um, there were some guys as late as the mid eighties that got beat up in back rooms. Um, that was it. Pretty much all ended in the early '80s when the lawsuits became prevalent against the casinos. But anyone who was counting cards prior to 1980, when the mob was um, the investors in all these casinos, uh, they were taking they were taking their life in uh, 
at, at risk and pretty much all the old school guys have stories about how they were backroomed, um, arrested or injured in, in one way or another prior to 1980. Wow. That's crazy, man. That Have you ever had any incidents like that, Steve? The only instance that came the closest was I was I played a bunch of eighteen parlay cards against the old Aladdin. It's Planet Hollywood now, and I won like five eighteamers. So it was like forty five thousand, and um, I went into cash. Attitude was not good, so I went and just cash one of them. Talk, talk, delay, talk. They're asking me how many more of these you got, and, I, and I've learned when I get asked that question. The answer is obvious. I, this is the only one. What's the only one I have right now? Is but but they they, they had looked at security. They knew I had four more, and um, they um, finally there was a big discussion. Begrudgingly, they paid me that one, and then as I'm walking out, security is walking behind me. They're like, "Sir, sir," and I know I've been taught like in blackjack. If someone does that, you head for the exit. You put your head down. You don't run. You walk briskly to the nearest exit. So I did that. I got out the exit in front of security without running. And then, boom, I'm out. And like the old Aladdin, the sidewalk was like eight feet above the boulevard. And there was all this like vegetation and landscaping on a big grade down like eight feet below to the Las Vegas Boulevard. So I went ahead and was like climbing over bushes to get to the the boulevard, which is like three lanes in each direction. And even when I got there, like I'm weaving through traffic like putting my life on a line. And then I went back in to cash my other tickets like two weeks later with my, my friend David Matthews as an observer in the background, just in case they're going to back room me and the like. But they were very professional and they just barred me for life from ever going back there. What did you think? What, what, what do you think would have happened when they were saying, sir, sir? Well, I, I think they just wanted to read me the Trespass Act, but I didn't really want them to read it to me because I still had these four tickets to cash and now, what do you mean read you the Trespass Act? That's the when you're 86 from a property and you're told you're not welcome to return. Should you return, you will be subject to arrest. Um, you'll be trespassing on the property. This is very common for some of my pro-blackjack players. That happens to them. They don't care. They wait six months. They just go back in and play now, knowing that the bean counters are running the casinos. And they're not going to get beat up and they're not going to get arrested unless they do it like four or five times. So who taught you to just put your head down and walk for the exit? Where, where do you learn that? That You didn't mention that in the How to Bet Like a Novice 101. You know, Arnold Snyder, who just wrote a great blackjack book, but he used to have a blackjack players forum. And so let me see if I can find one. One, one second. Blackjack players. Oh, here, here we go. So here's, here's Arnold Snyder wrote Radical Blackjack. So this dude is amazing. If you think you know what you're doing in blackjack, read this book and you'll realize you suck at blackjack. He'll talk about how he can track the shuffle in casinos and, and how to take advantage of rebates. It's really spectacular. But he he actually put out a quarterly um, blackjack news type of thing. And I used to belong to Stanford Wong's Black Chip Blackjack, um, which would give all kinds of details when there are promotions like um, which would be like a, a blackjack pays two for one, things like that. So there's a whole community of pro blackjack players still, but not nearly as common as it was because, um, frankly, everyone just got kicked out that was, um, you know, playing at a really high level. Steve, you know, you have pretty good style. You probably get your clothes 
from Express. They have so many new and now stuff. The versatile shirts, the bold button-downs. I'm a big button-down guy. I love their polos. I love their different collars as well as the colors they have. If you need a suit, it's a great place to get a suit. They've got denim. I mentioned this before. Uh, last week, I think, big fan of their shorts. Big fan of their stretchy chinos. You absolutely should check out Express and their clothing, whether it's in-store, online, awesome. Steve, how many gambling books have you read, do you think? Probably 50. Parts of at least 50. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, because uh, I, I guess I'm curious how much of your knowledge is just through experience versus reading books about it. You know, it's a great question because the poker books and the blackjack books are exceptional. Don Schlesinger writes exceptional books, but there's so many good books. Ed Miller on poker. There rarely are bad books on blackjack or on poker because it's so mathematical, even though poker, certainly there's aspects that aren't mathematical. Sports betting is different. There's tons and tons of bad sports betting books that literally I'll read the entire book and not glean one piece of information because they don't use math. They're very nebulous and they don't quantify things properly. Um, Stanford Wong, the blackjack player, wrote a great sports betting book, um, Sharp Sports Betting. So, you know, that's, you know, King Yao is another guy that wrote a really good sports betting book. Um, so, you know, they're out there, but um, they're, the good ones are few and far between. Most people don't know, you know, how to effectively win betting sports. And frankly, a lot of these prop bets and new um, live wagering stuff is so new, no one has even written any, any good books on how to win at them. Interesting. Sounds like there's an opportunity there. Check him out on social media. He is the man at Fezzik Sports. Absolutely love my guy, Steve Fezzik. That was awesome. I mean, it was cool to get into um, the NFL season win totals a little bit and the CFL stuff, but really, really liked your notes, Steve, on how to bet 101, how, how, how novices can bet and that's what I want. I want to be there for two hours. I want to get a bunch of free drinks, win some, lose some, ultimately not lose much. You know what? Ideal. If you buy in for $500 at a craps table, I think you could drink for free 20 minutes with, before even wagering $1 and just say, oh, I'm, I'm still evaluating and just keep ordering drinks. $500 buy-in, I think, gets you two rounds of drinks without even wagering once. Someone should try that. Get back to me. Nice. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. Remember, give us a five-star review. Send that to me, and you can ask Steve any question you would like. Ross at RossTucker.com. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.